Hi, Pip fam! As we start this new season, we wanted to introduce a new subscription model where you can support our podcast through Anchor for $4.99 a month. When you join as a subscriber, you will get access to our episodes a week early. Eventually, with enough subscribers, we can expand to exclusive content like bloopers, Q&A with guests, and other fun content that won't be released to the general public. By joining our subscription, you are helping us with production costs, hiring our editor, and allowing us to record our episodes more seamlessly. We are so excited to be able to create more content with you all, so if you're interested in learning more, check out the description below for more details. Now, on with the episode. I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast, where we have vulnerable conversations about mental health, self-growth, and relationships. I'm Regina. And I am Christine. Oh my God, we are so excited for today's guest. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's someone that you guys have been asking to come onto our podcast for a really long time, season after season. Her name is always brought up. It makes sense. And before we started recording, she was like, I'm willing to go wherever we go to get vulnerable. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Let's do do it. Let's go somewhere new. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's first bring her on and then we'll get started. That's welcome Eileen. Yay. Hi, guys. Yay. It's Eileen from Lavender. I'm sure all you guys already know. Eileen, we're so excited to have you on. For all of you who don't know, which I'm sure there's very few of you, but Eileen, oh my gosh, where do we even start? She's a mogul. Okay. This girl, (laughs) she's done it all and she does it with such grace and beauty. I love her aesthetics. I love her whole feeling. She's a content creator, entrepreneur. She's an artist of life. She makes videos. She has a podcast. She has workbook. She has merch. She does everything and it makes it look beautiful. She's also been on NBC, Fox, LA Times, NPR. You can access her at any time, any day on YouTube. And if you want, you can even take her courses. I don't think we have enough time for me to go through all what <laughs> does. All your accolades. <laughs> She's also a dog mommy, which I was yes. like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. With that, we're so excited to have you on and talk about today's episode. Thank you so much for that intro. I'm so happy to be here. I just have to say like Christine and Regina, you just make me feel so comfortable. So I'm excited to see what we'll talk about. All the things. All the- We have so many good things. Eileen is full of all these great, amazing nuggets. You can actually see why her life is as beautiful as what she hopes yours to be. And I think watching all your videos, listening to your podcast, even your workbook, it really teaches anybody who dreams of any type of life for anything that's deeper, more meaningful. She has a how-to guide on how to do that. A lot of times when we talk about mental health or how to have inner growth, there's no really like systematic approach. And I think Eileen does it so well. So today's episode, we're really going to jump into Eileen's story because there's so much behind it. I think so many of you guys were really, I did. <laughs> like your gift to the world is really showing us how to live our dream lives and that it's possible, but not without challenges and struggles and doubts, right? It's not just because 
Eileen is this magical fairy and everything just happens for her. That's what we really want to dive deep about and talk about and really get into Eileen's life. It's like, how do you know what your dream life looks like? How do you design it? And then how do you have the courage to pursue it? Mm-hmm. Being able to follow Eileen's journey, I remember hearing about you when you first started your YouTube channel and it was so new to the wellness space. And I think before that, we were all used to the makeup tutorials and things like that. And those were fun and great. And I think we learned a lot about outer beauty. And then I think your channel really just allowed us to dive deeper. And that's why we're so excited to have you on because that's what this podcast is about. Christine and I just want to have vulnerable conversations and just really dive into the story of your success, but also the story of your failures that led you to get there. And for me as a fellow entrepreneur as well, I also want to hear about the hardships. Like how do you have that motivation to keep going and keep pushing and keep redesigning? That's one of the lovely things that you always tell your audience members where it's kind of like there are opportunities to pivot and continue to create that life that you have always dreamed for yourself. So growing up, what kind of girl were you? Like, were you always really outgoing and excited or were you more on the shy, reserved side? I was super shy, super quiet. I was definitely like a wallflower growing up. Mm -hmm. Didn't know who I was for a very long time. And I think for the most part, I just was very obedient and leaned towards the just listen to what people tell you to do. Do you feel like you were okay in that role? Because I feel like I relate to that a lot Mm -hmm. too, where... I'm really loud around my friends, but in like larger settings, I have the tendency to be more quiet. But I think that as I got older, I also had this like inner gnawing at me where it's like, oh, that's not how I am. You know, like I want to talk. I want to speak up. Like I have thoughts and things. When do you feel like that transition was for you? Wow. I think it took me a long time to figure out who I truly was because even with my friends, I was very shy and quiet. Mm. Like I don't think I was comfortable being myself for the longest time. And there's probably like childhood experiences and reasons for that. But I felt like I could start expressing my truest self through the internet. And I grew up chatting on AIM, writing (laughs) blog posts on Zanga and Tumblr. And that was my main source of like self-expression. And I could be my most real self chatting with friends online. (laughs) Because like in person, Mm. I'd be quiet. I would not say anything, but I would go home and I'd be like, you're so active (laughs) on the computer. I was like a true introvert, right? Like they're like, wow, I didn't know she could talk that much or she was that funny. So I really think the internet gave me the opportunity to be myself and it's funny because that ties into like my YouTube journey as well I love to sing I loved music I played piano but I never told any of my friends that I like to sing and I did those types of things and it was only once like I started my YouTube channel in secret senior year of high school Mm -hmm. like I was inspired by other people like seeing other musicians like just put up videos of themselves singing and so I was like wow that that looks fun I could do that so I started posting like singing videos in secret and that was my form of self-expression and it it didn't take long for kids at my high school to find my videos of course (laughs) and then there was like a girl from band like oh my god Eileen I think I saw you on YouTube you sing eventually I had to like own up to it And eventually, everybody knew. (laughs) Everyone in my class knew that I sang on YouTube. Through that exchange, that was how I had to admit and find my confidence. Like, yes, I do like to sing. And then I started singing in front of people in real life, which was, you know, that journey of like being super shy, not telling anyone anything about myself and expressing myself on the internet first 
and then people got to see who I was slowly. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, you haven't even like jumped into the meat of it and already yeah. <laughs> coming of age story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. to even have that courage to put, even though anonymous, well, it's not anonymous because you're showing your face. Yeah, you're showing people. your face. Yeah. But for some reason, it was easier for me, the idea of singing to a group of strangers or anonymous people online because I'm like, I'll never see them in my life. Like, it doesn't matter if, if they think mm-hmm. I'm good or bad. So it was easier to do that than to sing in front of people that knew me in my life. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because there's the, even if you judge me online, it's not like I have to see you in person versus my friends or people I see at school. Like the internet didn't feel like real life back then. You know how now the internet and real life is more and more meshed? (laughs) It's It's blended a lot. Back then it was a separate world. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I feel like it's crazy to see how the internet has evolved. Mm-hmm. Like it was our safe space, like Zanga, yeah, Tumblr. Yeah, such a safe space. It, like Christine and I would always like write blogs. So we totally <laughs> relate to your aspect on that. But it's yeah. crazy that it allowed us this opportunity to really be ourselves and be so mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like really shows how much it shaped, you know, your career with Lavender and starting the YouTube channel and everything. Yeah, I mean, reading and, and watching your story you mentioned that your dad was pretty strict and you grew up in that household Mm -hmm. how did that impact you especially as you just gave us context of you being shy and then not wanting judgment how was that role that you felt like you needed to play in your family like my dad definitely put like a very strong strict and controlling vibe like he really wanted me and my brother to be like as successful as possible you had to be like perfect in his eyes Mm -hmm. and I mean it's an interesting relationship because I I grew up with my dad living at home up until like maybe fourth or fifth grade. The whole time he's like going back and forth to China just doing business. So he was like there sometimes not always there. And then after fifth grade, he just kind of stayed in China. So it was kind of like a distant relationship where he still had control over our family and how we were doing, but he wasn't physically there. So there was like a lot of pain in that relationship. Part of how that affected me was like I tied my sense of self-worth with like my level of success because the only way I would get to talk to my dad or, you know, you would just do international calls once a month or I I don't know Mm -hmm. how often, but the only things you tell them are your achievements, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I got an A in this. And also because of his high expectations on us, it was like the only attention you would get is if you do something good with your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that was ingrained really early for me. My brother is younger than me so I think he has less of that because he remembers him less and then just the feeling that I couldn't steer too far away from this like successful path that he put us on I think when I was young I wanted it too but I didn't know why I wanted it obviously as you're older you reflect and you realize oh it's because my whole family fed this like you know this perception like goals onto me but yeah it wasn't until the last two years of college where I really found that I started waking up like I really felt like I was living my life on autopilot very scared very shy just very obedient up until junior year of college was when you had to decide what career to take with your life. So before that point, I was just coasting. I wasn't even there. I really wasn't there. I was just flowing with life. And then once I started to ask these questions like, oh, what do I want to do with my life? My mind started breaking. I started having paralysis because I just could not figure life out. 
So, mm, yeah. yeah, that's very relatable, especially as like Asian women, mm-hmm. there are expectations of who we're supposed to be, mm-hmm. how we're supposed to act, um, the rules that we're supposed to follow. Even though, you know, I have a pretty close relationship with my parents, my parents will still say like, oh, you're a girl, like you need to do this. Oh, and yeah. I think oh, for them gosh. too, you know, being immigrants themselves and working so hard to build this life for us, they're always like, you know, we worked so hard to give you a platform mm-hmm. to start from like the foundation you're starting from is so much higher than yeah. where we started you cannot fail like you exactly. have to succeed and it's yeah like pressure. you cannot yes. you cannot waste this exactly yeah. and like my mom still tells me that you know she's like I gave you every opportunity you cannot fail you must succeed and that amount of pressure I think we don't talk about that enough we all feel it and we all experience it and I think that we all approach it in different ways sometimes it comes in forms of anxiety depression you know all these issues with mental health that again aren't talked about in Asian families but that type of pressure to succeed is something that I think a lot of Asians will relate to. And, you know, for you, you're a junior in college, you're about to graduate, you have no idea what you're doing. What was your kind of mindset in that? Like, what made you pivot to be like, you know what, I'm going to take control of my life? It wasn't like an immediate pivot. And the reason why that transition was so difficult was I believe like up until that point, you knew exactly what to do. You were told like school, you have a class, they give you a syllabus, this is your homework, this is how you get an A. And so you just follow the rules. And so I was very good at following rules. Mm. Like if you give me like a textbook, I can read it. I, I, I can ace the test. Like that's easy for me, right? But the hard part was when there's no rules because life (laughs) gives you no rules. And that just blew my mind. It was a lot of things. It was like the professors that I had during that time also helped me open up my mind. Like there's more to life than just one path. Mm. It was also because as a super overachiever in college, I did a lot of internships. I think I did like seven internships while I was at USC. And internships are a way for you to like test out career paths, right? So I had some in fashion, entertainment, social media, marketing and advertising and Hollywood. Those were all the fun areas that I was interested in. And even after doing all these fun internships, I didn't want that path. Like I didn't like my boss's job or my boss's boss's job. It didn't look fun. And I just learned over those experiences that the office life and climbing that ladder didn't appeal to me. And so something else must be better for me, but I don't know what. I had to come to a decision before graduation, like, okay, I don't think I'm going to get like a corporate job, even though I have all these interviews lined up. Like, I'm not even going to go to show up to these interviews because I'm not going to enjoy this job. And knowing me from those internship experiences, if I'm not motivated, I'm just going to check out. I'm not even going to show up to work on time. I just don't care. (laughs) Like, if I don't care, I don't care. So I needed to find something that I really was passionate about, that I was super self-motivated about. And I didn't know really what that was but I had clues so the first clue was music I had been doing my music YouTube channel for fun throughout college and I was like I do love music let me try to pursue it and so the first thing that I was working to pursue after graduating was music and YouTube and I just decided at that point okay let me just try everything that interests me because I don't know I don't know what it is and that's the part that was the hardest for my parents especially my dad because in his eyes he's like You went to a good school. Why can't you just get any job? Mm -hmm. Like any job to start with. Doesn't it even have to be like a job that you like? And I'm just like, no, I want to be creative. I want to be an artist. I'm going to pursue music. And obviously there was a lot of tension and arguing during those couple years. Like we just didn't see eye to eye. But something deep down in my heart was bold enough to rebel at that point in my life. Like, no, 
I don't want to just be like my peers. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I knew that I wouldn't be happy going down that path. I don't know what path I'll be happier in, but I'm going to go find it. Mm-hmm. So I started taking songwriting classes, music production classes, and these were all free classes online. And I started auditioning for acting roles. I found a part-time gig working for the 626 Night Market. I'm sure you guys know because you guys are based in Arcadia. But for (laughs) those listening, it was the largest Asian food festival. And it had just started that year. I think I joined after their first event. So I was in like the very early team. Mm. And so that was a part-time gig where I was just doing marketing, making videos, interviewing chefs like for the YouTube channel. And it was through Night Market that I got exposure to a lot of like just media experiences. Like I got to be on Fox, NBC, LA Times as the face. Like I was the (laughs) PR and marketing face of the events. And so I was doing all of these things at once. I also did like a Taiwanese singing competition because one of the options was like, okay, if I can't make it here, I'm gonna try to make it in Asia. (laughs) So I did something called ETTV Top Idol. No, it's like I was doing all of these things at once. You know, making friends with other filmmakers like, okay, guys, let's let's make a short film together. Like, let's it was a lot of things simultaneously for like two to three years before I even started Lavendaire. Right. So to give people context, this was around like 2014. Yeah, 2012 to 2014 was my peak experimenting with creativity years. Just Putting myself out there. Right. You weren't even 25 yet. You were just like after no. college. I started Lavender at 23. So it was like 20 to 23 that I was wow. doing that. I remember watching that pop up when you started to shoot your short film in Taipei. Because yeah. I'm also Taiwanese. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, yes. That was such a cool experience. To be honest, I think now it's been so long that that life seems like an afterthought. It seems like people don't even know. Not everyone knows that I did those things. Even before I had any physical material success, there were already these like invaluable, intangible successes that I felt like I had because I mentioned I did the singing competition. It was a Taiwanese singing competition. I didn't win, long story, but I was in the top 10. And then through those connections that I made there, I was able to get like sponsorships for the short film that we went to Taiwan. We shot a short film. I lived there for a month. We had our flights and hotel covered through my connections from the singing competition. And so that was like such a cool thing I was like I can't believe I made that happen at like age 22 or 20 whatever age I was at that time this plus so much more is what inspired Lavendaire throughout that whole time I was also deep into reading a lot of self-help books like how to find your purpose how to achieve your goals in life type of books and so it was the experience of me realizing like hey I didn't have a set plan nothing was secure or safe but I just threw myself out there and I found all these amazing opportunities like opportunities as a creative that you would never get if I took an office job like would I ever get to do that would I ever be in a singing competition go to Taiwan to shoot a short film meet all these people I just had so many beautiful little successes even though I was not making any money during that time but I had all these beautiful experiences that I was like, oh my God, I love this life so much more than I know I would have loved the life working at an ad agency or something. And so that inspired me to start to formulate this concept like life is truly what you make it. You really don't have to follow someone else's set path. You can really create your own. And it's the beauty in the uncertainty and the unknown where you find those like new life experiences, right? Like things that you can never have planned for yourself. And so that's kind of the idea of being an artist of life. Life is an art, make it your masterpiece. 
And I was pursuing music. So I was really into like understanding the artist's path and what makes a good artist, right? Artists are super original and creative. As an artist, you don't just copy someone else. Like that's not a true artist, right? An artist creates their own style. They find their true self and they express that through art. And that's what life is. We are all artists. All human beings are creative. It's just something that clicked for me. And I was like, oh my God, I want to share this. Like more people need to understand this. Like even though I wasn't successful to some people on the outside, like I lived through something, I survived. (laughs) I just had so many beautiful experiences that I'm like, oh my God, it's so worth it to take a risk sometimes to kind of like go out with an open canvas and figure out what happens with your life when you allow yourself that space. See, that's what I mean. Like she spoke for like two minutes and there was like so Sorry, much wisdom. I know, it's a lot. No, no, it's no. It's lot. like so much wisdom in everything that you shared. And I just really want to commend you on this, especially during that period of time right after college. Yeah. It almost feels like the weight of the world's on you to have it figured out by then. Oh, yeah. yeah. You yeah. spent your parents' money or you spent your money and time mm-hmm. graduating. Just like your dad and a lot of parents are like, just do something. You'll find your way. Just start making mm-hmm. money. Where's the 401k, yeah. etc. I really want to hone in on how you were able at that point. I'm sure there are points there were doubts sinking in and all that. But like, oh my gosh, how were you able to continue to risk and not have answers for your dad or your parents mm-hmm. and pursue this path? Like, how did that affect you? How did you reframe? And when I say reframe, it's like the tool of being able to see and shift the filter that you see the world in the lens that you see the world. Yeah. So like, how did you reframe and continue going and trusting yourself, even though you didn't know where you would end up? It wasn't easy. I definitely did not 100% believe in myself at that point yet. There was a lot of fear, a lot of self-doubt, and a lot of embarrassment too. Because if you think about it, I I had a lot of peers that were getting like jobs at these big four accounting firms. They were making a good salary straight out of college. And I was doing pretty well up until that point in school. And so people are like, oh, you're you're doing YouTube? Like, (laughs) and this is when YouTube... (laughs) I mean, people were on YouTube, but it was rare to be successful on YouTube. The influencer space was still growing. Especially as an Asian woman who's not doing makeup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. That's a whole other story, you know? (laughs) Being one of the first in my eyes to talk about self-help on YouTube as an Asian American woman, there was no one. Like, I did not know of anyone else. And because I started on YouTube so young in like 2007, 2008, I grew up with YouTube. I grew up watching Wang Fu and Michelle Phan, all these people that I looked up to. Like, I knew that there was a future. This space was going to grow. Like, I believed in YouTube before other people believed in YouTube. I think at that point, I had a fire in my heart. Once I rebelled, once I like made that decision, right? I made the decision not to like go back to a job. It was not even my plan B, C, D, E, F. Like, I was, like, not going back. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to find my way as a creative. At that point, I didn't have a fallback plan. I was like, I'm just going to keep going (laughs) forward and see where it takes me. I didn't have that fear of, like, oh, if if I don't make it in one year, I'm going to get a job. I never set a time limit for myself like that. I was just like, this is it. And so the interesting thing is in the beginning, I really thought it was going to be music. But over years, like I had different experiences that led me elsewhere. And that's the beauty of like moving forward without a set plan is that your plans will evolve and they will change without you recognizing it. And I truly believe life is leading you towards where you're meant to be. You just have to listen to the signs. After a couple of years performing, doing music, I came out with an album. I had an album release party. There was a 
time where I was performing every single month at our food festival events or House of Blues. Like I just did a lot of like little venues, any venue that would take me, I was performing. After doing that, I realized that I really did not like the physical act of touring, like taking my equipment, lugging it, setting it up, physically going from place to place, driving in traffic, packing up your equipment, going home. Like you're not getting paid to do any of that. I realized, okay, Maybe I don't love everything it is to be a musician because a real musician, if you want it to be successful, you have to tour. You have to be on the road. And I, I didn't like that. I like being at home. I like, you know, I, <laughs> I'm i an introvert. So that's like one example of like life kind of redirecting me. Like, oh, maybe this is not meant for you. You love music, but maybe this is not the career meant for you. And so there was like a definitive point before I started the Lavender YouTube channel that I had a mental breakdown again. Because I was like, I thought I knew what I wanted and I still don't know what I want. (laughs) Like two years after graduating, doing all this random stuff, I still don't know what I want. And so I had a mental breakdown like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Like that is the biggest question and the biggest pain point that I had in those years. Because I was still watching all these YouTubers, right? And something in me told myself, okay, give it another try. When I was doing music, my YouTube channel wasn't really growing and I kind of gave up doing YouTube. Like I, I thought like, I failed. It's not working for me. Like, let me just try something else. And then for some reason, like something led me back and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. If I'm going to start a new channel and try give YouTube another try, what would I talk about? I would talk about my life. <laughs> I would talk about what I've learned so far in the past couple of years, mm. what I've learned about fear, what I've learned about chasing your dreams. Right. And it was hard because at that point I was not successful. So I'm like, is anyone really going to listen to me? I don't have that much to show for, right? Like I have this concept that I believe in that you can be an artist of your life. And I guess I took some steps towards that, but I didn't feel like I had that much credibility. So it was getting over that self-doubt as well to just like start posting even though I didn't feel like I was credible. Another thing that encouraged me was like I mentioned earlier, I saw an empty space there. Because I was reading all these books by like Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week, like all these like books written by middle aged white men <laughs> <laughs> and reading blogs by white men. I just didn't see anyone that looked like me talking about this, whether it was blogs or YouTube and no one from my perspective, because at that time, self-help and personal development was geared towards people going through their midlife crisis. I recognize there's a gap. There must be people in their early 20s who feel the same as me, who also feel lost, who also want to reach for their dreams. So I'm just going to do it. Lavender, in the first year, it didn't grow that much. I think maybe like a thousand subscribers in the first year, something like that. But the difference that it made me feel was in the comments that I was getting from Lavender. Because when you're posting like music videos on YouTube, the people come and go, the comments are like whatever. But when you're talking about how to find your dream life, how to overcome fear, how to stop caring about what other people think of you, these are topics that I feel like a lot of people deeply resonate with deep down. And so the comments and emails that you get talking about these topics are very deep and meaningful. And so even though it wasn't physically successful yet, I felt very fulfilled by the reaction I got from my first videos. And so that's what motivated me to keep going with Lavender is that just the thought that, okay, my idea helped change someone's mind. It helped change their life in some way. I think at the heart of it, that's what makes Lavender successful. That's what makes Lavender what it is. 
it's the depth of what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's the vulnerability. It really is. Yes. Because everything yeah. that you were saying during that time period, that's actually how Regina and I met. We worked at Wong Food together. Oh, yeah. And during that time period, anything anyone was releasing on YouTube was perfect. <laughs> you know, mm. no one ever mm. talked about their feelings. No one ever yeah. shared anything that was like fear-based or insecure and all that. It wasn't until I would say like after the whole wave of big influencers started to kind of like talk about self-love. Yeah, like they, like, mm-hmm. they went through their kind of like heyday and then, then they were like, mm-hmm. oh, a lot of them burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 A whole generation of YouTubers burnt out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, hey, guys, let me just here's a vlog of how I really feel. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, you were already doing that before then. I still remember during that time at Wang Fu, I was telling them, I was like, we should actually, you know, with the Wang Fu weekends, why don't we do mm-hmm. like some things about you guys sharing the actual like headaches or yeah, like the fears that you guys have, right? And then I think that's what you tapped into, especially, I mean, obviously it's not an Asian thing, but that's exactly our culture. Mm-hmm. No one taught us anything about mental oh, health, yeah. which is why now I really do think that for our community as Asian Americans or Asians, are now this generation starting to really mm. embrace it. It's clicking. It's what Oprah says. It's yeah. like the aha moment, oh, yeah. right? So yeah, I think you really opened up the door into that conversation when already in our community it's just so taboo to even go it was there. so taboo to talk about these things i just remember the first times i shared about my actual story like with my dad and the difficulties i had it was a in a podcast first in 2016 and i was like shaking i would cry and stop recording like it was like difficult to share it and it's been many years now i'm much more confident i'm okay with speaking about these things but the first time you share these things is very hard because you don't see many people sharing this kind of thing online but it was slowly like you see more and more people open up about mental health and these ideas we've definitely made strides yeah and i think too the scary part about opening up is like you don't want to be scrutinized you don't want to be like looked at like oh there's something wrong with you you know Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that like christine and i bonded over so much you know even in our early days of our friendship we both felt the need to put up this like really perfect face for one another like oh you know we're working at the same place like as co-workers like we really have it together as the two women at Wang Fu. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, you have to be perfect. Oh, it was a lot of pressure. Wow. Yeah. And I think that we really bonded over that. And we started opening up and talking about like our families and our friendships and just like the views that we had on the world. And I love that you took a step into that. I mean, I think it's terrifying. And Christine and I joke all the time, like one of the reasons why we started this podcast and why it was easier to start the podcast was kind of a similar reason you started a YouTube channel where it was easy to do it behind a mic. It's mm. easier to do it behind a camera because during that time when you were taught vulnerability needs to be hidden away you can't show it to other people to this day I feel like my parents are still like that they're more open about talking about it but still you know they're like oh if any of my friends are seeing a therapist they're like oh well do they need to do that it's very expensive something's wrong with them something's wrong with them but then they're like oh but it's good to talk (laughs) like they're still very confused on this like concept it's really awesome to hear the community that you've been able to build off of Lavender is just incredible. It's filled with all of these very similar minded men and women, you know, who want to take charge of their life. And I think that that is something that we are never taught as Asians. Yeah. yeah. So completely agree. And watching your journey and how you got there is, I think, the guidance 
in itself. Because as you're speaking vulnerably about it, you're also living it. Mm -hmm. And in that, can you walk us through, then you came back into YouTube and it started to grow Mm -hmm. slowly from that point until now. Like what has happened that you grew it into like this business and helping others? Yeah, so 2014 was the year that I started the Lavender YouTube channel. As I mentioned, the first year was pretty slow. (laughs) 2015 was when I had like the first mini wave that kind of picked up the channel and that was the Marie Kondo wave. Like Marie Kondo, the life-changing magic of tidying up. For some reason, someone recommended that book to me really early, like when the English version just came out. And so I read it. I was inspired. I decluttered my closet and everything that I had. And I filmed it. I documented it. And I also made like a series of how to fold clothes the KonMari style, which is like vertically instead of stacking your clothes on top of each other. Do you still do that? Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) It's so efficient. Like when I pack for traveling, my clothes are vertically. Like, wow. So you open up your luggage. I feel like I'm always digging through my yeah. luggage everything's flying everywhere <laughs> I'm not always clean in my house but I'm very proud of how my luggage is always organized because you open it up and your clothes look like a bookshelf oh, that's oh, so wow. nice um, anyway so that was surprisingly and interestingly what made my channel grow in the first few years was not the core of what I was talking about because my core was like personal growth creating your dream life but it wasn't a popular topic no one was searching for these videos <laughs> so the things that helped my channel grow were the things on the outside meaning tidying organizing packing <laughs> like my packing videos and tidying videos just got a boom it's funny because during those years, most of my views were for, for those videos. And a lot of people were like, oh, make more, make more minimalism videos, make more organization videos. And I had to like stay true to my vision. Like, I know this is going to help me grow faster, but no, Lavender is about this, you know? So I had to be intentional. I, I make dumb choices in terms of growth, but like it's all for the purpose of like meeting that like grand vision that I have. So that was 2015, 2016. I think things just started growing slowly. I think it's the year of self-love. Self-love started becoming in our vocabulary in the mainstream. So I made some videos on that, self-care videos. End of 2017 was when I came out with the Artist of Life workbook, like the first version of it. So the Artist of Life workbook is basically this workbook that I created. It started out as just a PDF and then it became a physical book and it's just filled with exercises to help you plan your year and guide you to clarifying what you want in your dream life and then help you make the plans to execute them on a monthly basis. That, to be honest, was the first like giant not, I wouldn't say giant at that point, but <laughs> it was like the first mainstream of income that I was like, oh my God this can be my career because YouTube was not making much money for those first two years of just starting my channel. And so it was because I came out with my own product, it was both digital and physical, that I started having a more stable stream of income during those launches that would be enough for me. That's something that has evolved into the shop that I have today. I still come out with that workbook every single year. Now we have more products like other planners and notebooks you know, in the shop. And so my YouTube channel and the shop has been kind of growing side by side where half of my income, I I mean, it changes every year, but in general, it's like basically half income from the shop, half income from YouTube. Wow, you're diversifying your portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like it was really important for me early on to have something of my own because you can't rely on AdSense to make you money. Like you don't really make that much money. And 
I wasn't getting that many brand deals. Like I think I only had one brand deal before I started my workbook. And so I knew I needed to sell something of my own for this to be some sort of career. And so that was what I depended on first. And then as my YouTube channel grew, I think I grew a lot in 2017. And then I actually got invited to two YouTube events. Like I won this competition called YouTube Next Up. And then end of 2017, I got invited to do something called YouTube Global Creator Camp. And so winning that competition and being part of that camp with like a bunch of other YouTubers around the world gave me more confidence for my channel. Like these are camps where they take you in, you hang out at the YouTube offices and studio and they teach you how to use a camera, how to set up lighting. Like they actually like they're investing in the creators. And so I do feel like that did help help me a little bit in terms of YouTube and my channel just grew faster since 2017. More brand deals came as my channel grew. Mm. You know what I hear like as a common reoccurrence of your story thus far is that you were really honing in on the skill of trusting yourself through taking these risks. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the part when I look back in my 20s now that I'm 37. <laughs> I'm like, you don't look I, it. Oh my gosh, girl. <laughs> you look so young. No, thank you. I mean, it's, it's the, the Asian is all three yeah, of us. Yeah. No one told me that. It's like the risks that we were being Asian too. It's like, don't take risks. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. follow the steady course. But in taking the risk, you learn so much about oh yourself gosh. and like what you said about things that you like and things that you don't like. As simple as those things. And then being okay that you don't like this or yeah. that you do like that. And then seeing where those little nuggets take you from there instead of being like, well, if I don't love all of it, then this is not meant for me. Or if I hate some of this, then what does that say about I have to like it? I have to because everyone else is doing it. And I think that's the part we learn slowly over time to really shut down our own voices. Mm. And what takes over is other people's opinions or especially what society wants us as women or people to be, you know, fit into your box. And it is a skill. I love that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yes, sorry. No, I, I'm like so excited to talk. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no, please. Anyway, no, because it is so true. I think most people are not honest with themselves. They don't take the time to tune in and listen to that inner voice that knows what you truly want, what you truly like and don't like. They kind of mute that voice because all the other voices outside are louder. But one thing in my journey that I did consistently was journaling. Ever since I was little, I would journal. And it's really through journaling that I get to know who I am. I get to discover like, oh, this is my true inner voice. This is how I really feel. So that's a huge tool in my journey. And another thing that I I learned from one of my professors that kind of helped give me a good start once I graduated was this quote, take your biggest risks while you're young. Because when you are young, you have nothing to lose. Like you don't have a mortgage. You don't have a family. You don't have a lot of things like you. You can afford to lose when you're young. So you should take the biggest risk while you're young, because the bigger risk you take, the more chance you have at a greater reward. That's just how it is. You know, if you're too safe, if you take a low risk, you'll get low reward. That's just the dynamics of like money and the world. So that's something that I learned in college. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. So I should just take the biggest risk now. And if I fail, I fail, you know, then I'll figure it out from there. But it's not being afraid to take those risks and not being afraid to fail, not being afraid to like look dumb and have people judge you. It's it's kind of overcoming that in order to find your best path. Yeah, I I hear that from your story of how life has humbled 
<laughs> you and also myself. I'm, I'm Regina yeah. too. Oh, yeah. where, like especially before, it was like I thought I knew. Like especially in my twenties, mm-hmm. it was so like you should know, you should know your entire twenties. Yeah. Like you should know. And then when I'm like, okay, I think I know. Life is like, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I feel like I, I still go through that now. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, especially yeah. in our thirties, I feel like once you get to your thirties, everything you thought you knew in your twenties, you're like, wait. I no, actually you don't know, know nothing. I don't yeah. know anything. Exactly. <laughs> That's wisdom, though, knowing that you don't know anything. <laughs> it is. It really is. And like just owning up to it. But I think that what's so admirable about your path of, you know, just even at the start of this episode, you were talking about how you're such a shy child, oh, yeah. afraid to speak up, afraid to kind of make these decisions to Taiwan. I'm going to make my own short film. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Like, I think that that is something that a lot of us have the potential to do, but we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to do so. It's the voices in our heads. It's the things that we're being told by our family, our peers, society of how we're supposed to act. And I think the three of us, you know, coming as creatives and having this like bubble inside of us, like always wanting to burst, always wanting to create, it's not as easy as it looks. You know, I'm sure that there are a lot of doubts. There are a lot of days where I wake up and I'm just like, I don't want to do anything today. I'm so tired. I feel so burnt out. What keeps you going? I know that you talked about, you know, Lavender and sticking to that brand messaging. And even if you're like, oh, I know that if I make this other organizational video, it'll get more views, but I need to stick to this. I need to stick to my purpose. How were you able to kind of set those intentions and be so like headstrong in that it's not always strong I'll start with that I I really come I have waves where sometimes I feel super confident and waves where I'm like oh like I don't feel like doing this anymore like sometimes I feel like that but I think the main thing that does keep me going is just the thought that there's someone else in the world that has not realized this yet, that has not realized that you can be intentional with your life, that you can design your life how you want, that you have more power than you think you have, mm. right? Like just there's someone out there in the world that has not like had that aha moment with their life that I keep sharing what I share. And sometimes it's not just like that concept of you are in control of your life, but also the the how-tos because I've experimented with a lot of journaling exercises, just a lot of different like methods in order to like overcome your self-doubt and limiting beliefs. They're like manifesting. There's a lot of like techniques. So maybe just being able to share that knowing someone else has not tried that yet and maybe this is the thing that will help them break through. So like if I meet someone in life, like the most heartbreaking thing is to see someone that doesn't believe in themselves, right? And and if I knew someone like that in my life, like I would do everything I can to try to like empower them. Because after you've gone through the ups and downs in life, like from what I've seen, like I know that you have so much power in shaping your life. Sometimes it's all about like sometimes it's just a shift in perception as well. But there's a lot of things you can do to live more happily and with better mental health. So just the thought of bringing more of that light into the world so that more and more people can live this way because life doesn't have to be a struggle. I mean, yes, there's going to be challenges, but I think there is a mindset that you can live with that makes it easier to overcome challenges, that makes you feel more confident and strong. I just want everyone to feel strong and empowered in their life. <laughs> oh my God, yes, girl. Yeah, because yeah, like, right? once you experience it, there's nothing else like it. Exactly. That's why I say like my life, I was living in autopilot and then there was a switch. And, and you can't go back. You can't switch it off. Like I can't go back to the person that I used to be. I can't live how I used to live. But when you 
meet people who are adults, you know, they're functioning, but they're still living with that to switch off. It just breaks my heart. I'm like, do you know? Do you know that you could do more? I mean, to each their own. Some people are actively choosing to live. Like when I say this, I don't mean for everyone to be ambitious. I, it's really not. Like when I say you are the artist of your life, if you want to live a very calm and peaceful life on a farm, go. I'm all for it. Like I support you. If you want to live like a high pace life in the city, if you want to be super ambitious, if you want to like achieve the top of the world, this or that, like I'm all for it. But it's about the choice you have. And no one else can tell you what choice to take. It's It really should come from your voice within. And that's the switch. Like, that's what I want people to know. Like, I want people to be living their life on their terms, intentionally, with design, with awareness and consciousness. Oh my god, yeah. Intention is everything. I think yeah, what yeah. you said about so much of I think the inner growth journey is being able to harness for yourself how you want to show up in your day mm -hmm. despite the external circumstances that are happening where that is the power if we're talking about power that's what I've learned for it to be versus I was at the whim before all this I was at the whim of my external circumstances yeah so my emotions yeah. were like a wave I always think of this like the ocean where before I was mm. paddling like crazy against the waters like no 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 I have to go there I, ha I have to go there and in that I would be so upset so frustrated at myself it just never felt like I was enough no matter what I did mm -hmm. but once I realized that you are the ocean right you know that quote is like <laughs> wow. you know it's like you're you're not a drop in the ocean you are the ocean oh, along wow. with everyone else right yeah. that you start to realize like as scary as it was to let go before with the old mindset was like well then I'm a failure I don't know where I'm gonna yeah. go then you automatically go to worst case scenario mm -hmm. and I realized that when you get definitive about what that looks like for you what is your worst fear and I think my was ending up homeless on the street like legit and I realized that you know what I actually have a lot of first people in my life love and support that's the part where when you get to know yourself you're like you know what I would grind if it really came yeah. down to it I would grind you have the ability exactly mm -hmm. when life humbles you you're like yeah I would work and toil for it and then work my way up so it's okay your worst fears are actually tied to your old traumas oh yeah definitely it's like everything that you said about like just being able to if you want to live in the farm where it's like lavender's like cottage course <laughs> you know I could totally yeah. see that <laughs> or anywhere but it's more about if you can find peace and contentment which I know peace in my 20s felt really boring but now like 30s I'm like yes. now it's all I want <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you feel peace within yourself mm -hmm. even though your family can be chaotic right yeah. you feel humble and excited even though you, you may be thinking this is not the right thing for me and transitioning from there or your relationship you start waking up the matrix the movie <laughs> applies so much I feel like you're like Morpheus going do you want the red pill or the blue pill because I got plenty of videos for you <laughs> All of that to say for people who are listening to you and being like, yes, Eileen, you're speaking my language. That's exactly what I want. What would you say to them and giving them a heads up for what, what's ahead of them, like to equip them? You know, maybe your top five lessons learned throughout your journey. I would say one of the biggest lessons you have to carry with you is to believe in yourself. I know it's hard. Not everyone can fully believe in themselves. But if you are not your own like number one supporter and the number one person that you care about, you're not going to make it very far because you have to give yourself all that you got to support yourself through this journey. And another tip is to be prepared for the unexpected because <laughs> you can expect to set off your path and go this direction. But at the same time, life will throw things at you and you might end up somewhere else. And like Christine said, be okay with letting go. 
and accepting where the path takes you. I do believe in a greater divine entity. Like it, I believe that whatever happens in your life is for the greater good. Like you're being led to where you're meant to be. And number three is that creating your dream life and also healing from traumas, all of that stuff, it happens in phases. Like you might think oh, yeah. that, mm. like you set a goal, you might get there, <laughs> right? You might think, oh, like that's it. Like I've made it. But all of a sudden something happens or you just recognize you're at the bottom again. Like you're at the start of a new journey. And that's kind of the phase that I'm at now because everything that I talked to you guys about was like, it's a great story for like maybe the first couple waves of my life. But now I feel like I'm at the bottom again. <laughs> like there's a lot of realizations. For example, like the past two years has been me learning to undo this need to tie my self-worth with success, Ooh, right? Like yeah. that trauma led me here. It got me this far because to be honest, one of the motivations I had to keep going was not positive. The drive came from, I need to prove myself. I need to prove to my dad. I need to prove to my peers that I could do it no matter what, because they all told me I couldn't do it. And that's negative. That's a negative motivational source, but it worked. <laughs> it, it works, but it's <laughs> negative so you, I'm learning to undo it and heal it and not need it anymore and that's why I just let everyone know that from the outside you can't judge people you can't judge a book by its cover and it might look like this person is super successful because they have all these accolades and all this whatever Forbes 30 under 30 like all this stuff but who's to say that's real success you know that person could just be like motivated through their trauma you know, which is why they can't stop. <laughs> and that's that's not a healthy place to be. Like you don't actually want to live that life because no matter how much money or success they have, they can't stop. And they still don't think they're good enough. The reason some people push themselves so hard is that they still don't think they're good enough, even after becoming like number one at this, making this much money and that. And that is the level that I'm releasing. And me and my friends are too. Like, because when I was in my 20s, my friends did not talk about this stuff. And now I'm I'm 31 now. And with my friends opening up about this kind of stuff. And so you realize that there's a lot of people that are healing from so many different things. We're all really here to heal together. And so as much as you might think life is just about achieving your dreams and achieving goals, it's also about like undoing. It's also about undoing the layers, undoing the traumas. And getting to the core of who you are until you find some sort of peace. <laughs> and that's what I mean by like peace is what we really want. Mm -hmm. We really oh, want just yeah. peace and acceptance. We don't really want that much money. You don't really want to own like uh, this building or that building. Like there's the deeper goal there. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> you said it so beautifully because like yeah. understanding what's behind what's motivating you or the trauma, whatever it is, the thing that you think you want you're actually pursuing the feeling that you're going to get once you get the thing. Yeah. But we don't know that, right? That's why we was like, oh, once I'm popular, well, you're looking for acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then you might get it. You might get it. And then you still don't have that feeling. You're still not happy. And you still don't have that acceptance of yourself. Exactly. I found myself doing that oh all the gosh. time. And yeah. I think, too, when you pursue the creative field, when you watch your friends pursue the corporate route, you know, they get the raises and things like that. And from the outside, for us, where we don't have those, like, defining markers of, like, okay, we, you know, we're doing well. We're moving our way up. Like, it's hard. It's hard to envision like what that looks like for us. And it doesn't matter what brand deals you get. It doesn't matter how much money you make, what you release, what you do. If you don't have that self-acceptance and that happiness and peace within yourself, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter the subscribers, the followers, whatever, because it's exactly what you said. Like the past traumas that we haven't healed from, they're still there and they're mm -hmm. still staring at us in the face.
face. And I think that's why so many of us, especially in our 20s, feel this burnout sensation where we just don't know how to stop. We think what is motivating us is actually not. And we just fall into these same cycles of trauma of burnt out and and it's just an endless cycle until you yeah, get to it's our 30s. until you yeah <laughs> until you start to recognize like this is not what you truly wanted or you recognize like oh i'm actually motivated by something else that i didn't recognize was there that you could start to heal from these and it, it's so cliche because it sounds so simple right like just self-acceptance self-love believing in your own self-worth without anything external but life is really about like going off on a journey in order to like come back to who you truly are. Like it's, it's a circle. Like at the end of it, all you needed was just yourself. Because like when you learn about the traumas, especially when it comes from childhood, mm-hmm. a lot of us weren't allowed to be who we were. So as children, obviously from that age with our underdeveloped minds, we started to make a lot of conclusion assumptions about ourselves yeah. based off of how mm-hmm. our caretakers were or weren't showing us the love and acceptance that we wanted. When ultimately, this is why it does sound cliche, but ultimately when you get through this journey and it's a daily choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so like exactly what Eileen said, where it's like, you, you can't just be like, oh my God, I've healed, I'm good, right? <laughs> Which is not to discourage you, but there's so many layers that we've built up throughout the years of coping mechanisms and, you know, narratives that we've accepted that we thought were us, but then we're like shedding old parts of ourselves that really when you come down to it it was never you as a kid it was never you it was never your job to prove anything to get that love love is mm-hmm. not an exchange you yeah. born as you were it's beautiful especially when you think yeah. about it you look at children you look at babies or children young kids you're just like wow you're amazing you're yeah. so genuine and pure. without even trying mm-hmm. this is something all asian americans need to hear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a lot all people yeah, yeah. All people. so that's a journey yeah. in itself you know mm-hmm. and i think that's exactly the type of work that you articulate so well and teach so well in the embracing of where life takes you on this journey so what works for Eileen or what works for us in our healing journey you may navigate it differently and that's okay which is what I love what you said about what keeps you going is if that one person can hear that and then take it and make it your own I think that's the beauty of social media now everyone's sharing their own Mm -hmm. take and version you know as we're wrapping this episode up what is your greatest hope for anyone who adapts the lavender lifestyle my greatest hope is that you truly find your joy in living like truly find your dream life whatever that looks like and that you're able to spread that joy you know spread this level of intention and it really is just like spreading the love because living the life that you want is an act of self-love in order to be confident in that that definitely will inspire the people around you to do the same and then it's a ripple effect i really love this image of like a ripple effect of positivity i know yes i'm cheesy but it's true. it's true. You know, the it's world true. needs it. So yeah, just just focus on yourself and find your joy. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, joy is contagious. Yeah. When we really embrace that, the people around us can feel that energy. They can feel, you mm-hmm. know, the confidence that you have in yourself and the confidence that you want to like instill in others. And mm-hmm. oh, I love your messaging. Yeah, thank you. So it does take practice. All this is like practice and releasing. You're not expected to get it right, which is why I really want to put it in here, the plug. Mm-hmm. 
Lavender just released their 2022 workbook. Artist of Life workbook. Yeah. Oh my God. It, these prompts, and I know for a lot of people, sometimes it is like you kind of get glimpses or you see prompts here and there. But this workbook is so, just going through it, This is that's those are the type of questions that I ask even in my life coaching and all that. It's so meticulous. It's so well thought out. It helps bring out the inner stuff in you that you never would have thought about yourself. But it's such great reflections. And then I'm going on and talking about it. Like maybe, Eileen, <laughs> you can share more. Thank you about, so much. Yeah. yeah. And for all of these, you could just head over to like my shop. It's shop.lavendare.com to check out what we have. But the main thing I recommend is the Artist of Life workbook because it's literally over 150 pages of questions and exercises that help guide you towards self-discovery, goal setting, refreshing your mindset, overcoming fears, just a lot. There are all so many different exercises that you probably have not thought of doing like these questions you probably have not asked yourself and it's in asking the right questions that you get these new answers these things that you've never recognized before for me journaling is such a powerful tool so if you enjoy journaling and writing things down on paper like check it out and we'll have everything linked down in the description below so that you guys can check out her shop and check out Eileen's YouTube channel so you've talked about all the incredible things that you've done for yourself for Lavendaire since graduating from college what's next for you what do you hope 2022 will be now that we're nearing the end of 2021? That's a great question because I'm not entirely sure. I haven't taken the time to think about 2022 (laughs) yet. Well, one thing I do know is that I do want to take more time for like just myself like recovery and space I'm in a place in my life that I don't want to be hustling I don't want to be working too hard I'm really about just giving time to myself kind of like get a little quiet it's kind of been the trend for the past year or so is like I haven't been in the mood to post on social media as much as I used to I don't know how I used to do it I just had more energy before I'm not sure if it's age I don't know but something is shifting in me where I'm like maybe posting every day or forcing myself to like keep up with this hamster wheel of social media it's not fulfilling me anymore so I'm figuring out what's next like I said earlier I feel like I'm at the bottom again because I don't know I feel like I was doing Lavender YouTube I'm still gonna I'm not quitting anything as of right now the only thing I paused was I put a pause on my podcast this past year but I have been going in a trend of like rediscovering myself and what I want for the next five years because I'm not sure but I'm sure it will look different than the previous five years like I'm not doing the same thing I'm I'm ready to do something slightly new who knows what's gonna happen (laughs) that's the exciting part it is (laughs) it's the possibility of the unknown exactly that's where I'm at all of us are just fed this hustle culture where you're just like oh we've done so much we have to continue doing so much I love your mentality of like all right let's take a step back reset try to figure out what does that life look like next and I agree while hustle culture is great it gets you all these opportunities you also have to do those check-ins with yourself too as you grow older what you envision for your life changes as well and so I love that and Christine and I will definitely be following closely to see what you're up to and be inspired by you as always yeah thank you so much this was such an awesome conversation I mean this is <laughs> I had fun thank you so much for opening up in all the different areas and so much wisdom and I think anyone who's listening and taking rigorous notes <laughs> like Eileen where can people find you you can find me on YouTube at Lavendaire and Instagram. Everything I have is under the same name, Lavendaire. We will be sure to link everything down in the description below. Eileen, it was absolutely wonderful having you on. I've enjoyed our conversation so much and I 
feel like I have this new wave of inspiration of, you know, learning to do things with more intention, but also, you know, taking a step back and really understanding like, what is it that I really want and going after that. If you guys listening in found this episode helpful, feel free to share it with a friend. It helps so much with the growth of our podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah, the stars so blue. Yeah, the stars so blue.